Dark Blossoms. I am Amanda McLaughlin. I'm Christopher McLaughlin. And this is Going Going to to the the Chapel. Chapel. This podcast is a deep dive into the Fox television show 21 Jump Street that ran from 1987 to 1991. And just like in our marriage, I know nothing. And I know everything. We are back again ready to do a regular episode of Going to the Chapel. And you may have noticed, if you aren't new to the podcast, if you are new, hey, welcome, what's up? Hi. This is going to the chapel. But you may have noticed we have some new, um, much more succinct, nice (laughs) theme music. What I was using before was like a, you know, had a Creative Commons license. I think I got it from the music from like YouTube because originally we were going to be using YouTube. And I realized that I see a lot of videos on YouTube with that music in it and so it was bugging me that we had the same music so I had um someone do some music for us so yes I like it it's shorter but it's very cool it's very like 80s uh, I'm a fan I hope you guys like it yeah it's it, it's I think it's an improvement but of course one of you know my son watches some of those like cartoon thing mashup things and that music popped up on one of them at one point and I was like oh that's our theme song except it's not our theme song because it was Creative Commons so now we have our theme song which is much better yeah um, before we get into today's episode the past couple of weeks have been actually big twenty one Jump Street weeks and also the day we're recording this is April twenty first which is what Christopher our eighth wedding anniversary you remember I, I mean it's it, night time it, now we've already celebrated with chocolate pie and yes Mexican food it was very delicious we, as much as we can celebrate in the midst of the uh, the coronavirus that's that true. is continuing we, we to door dashed some food and ravage didn't make the any world contact. yes it, but it, so today is our anniversary which is important to the podcast because our marriage is part of the whole yeah. point of the podcast going to the chapel and, and also it's april and i believe it was april 12th yes april 12th because the day before your birthday was the anniversary the 33rd anniversary of 21 jump street popping an imaginary cork right now yeah so that's exciting and so this week this past week something very exciting happened i mean i don't know if it's very i say very exciting Johnny Depp joined Instagram, something I never thought I'd see in a It's how we know the world is actually coming to an end, as a matter of fact. Social media, I don't think, has ever been a thing for him. But he joined Instagram this week. It was very cute. So we follow Holly, Pete, and Dustin Noyan, and Peter DeLuise on Instagram. Because why wouldn't we? Of course. We have the match set That's the entire point. And so it was really cute because when Johnny joined, uh, Holly, Robinson, Pete posted a one of the promo shots from 21 Jump Street. Oh yeah. That was, was really cute and said, "Oh, he's finally on Instagram and tagged Johnny Depp." So, and then I saw that like Dustin had liked some of Johnny's posts. Um so that that was kind of a fun 21 Jump Street moment that was happening. I was like, "Oh, this is great. We should yeah. talk about this on the podcast." So, now the four main players are on Instagram and we can stalk them. It's very it's very yes. nice. <laughs> Anyway, that I just really wanted to bring that up because I mean, it was really important. It's true. It is to, important to our podcast. It's been it a is... busy, busy time here for the for the Twenty One Jump Street fans of the world. That's right. Um, who I assume you must be if you're listening to this podcast. So to catch up, because it's been a while since we've actually done a real episode, at least in in real time here. We are now still on season one, but we're now up to episode number eight. Which thankfully, this is kind of a show where you can give a little gap between episodes because it's you know it's not doesn't really have a through line i mean some of the characters kind of 
have some it's like a lot of development police procedurals especially at the time you know you care about the main characters but there's not a lot of through happening yes so uh season one episode eight bad influence and i believe amanda's trying to quickly scramble up the date for this one yeah because we did not write it down we're we're, we're just I'm terrible at ter- this I'm bad at research. Thing. The 24th of May, 1987. So we're almost, what is it? What would that be? 23 years? No, 33 years. Yeah, 33 years. I'm old. Uh, since that has occurred, yes. yes. All right, anyway. Oh, also, part two. I think this is the first time we've we've watched, or since they've taken it off of Hulu, that we've talked. So it yeah. is currently, as of again, April of of 2020 not on hulu it is however on voodoo for free with ads v-u-d-u uh, dot com so you can still watch it there or of course um if you wish to purchase the dvds or if you always, already own the dvds which I always mean, a possibility too they're great but they're still they're still to be found on streaming if you if you desire so i'm going to read the voodoo uh summary of the episode just to give you a flavor of what's coming so episode eight bad influence Hansen and Penhall investigate the disappearance of a couple of teens who may have witnessed a robbery, while Hoffs and Aoki investigate a student who is rumored to be prostituting. A lot of maybes and rumors, so... Uh, it's true. So let's get into it. So there is, there is a cold open in this one. Uh, opens on this sort of dingy street. I was... Funny, I feel like litter must have gotten better because every street in the show is littered, and I think it's trying to make it, like, dingy or something, but... Maybe. I remember litter was a big thing in the 70s, and then it, I feel like maybe our generation, which got just pummeled with the environmentalist like the message, got... crying Italian guy pretending to be a Native American in that video, in that commercial. Yes. But anyway, so cut to, obviously, it's after hours, dark at a... Um, is it a deli? I'm not sure what this... Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's a deli. It says Artie's Deli. Artie's Deli. That's what it is. Yeah. And Can we also... I, I want to, before we talk anything about this, the music at the very beginning... Is like really bluesy. And oh yeah, there's it like was, a, and, this is America, baby. Yeah, but yeah. one of the lyrics was "sign on the dotted line." You can sign on the dotted line or marry a Kennedy. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I mean, well, I guess the idea is you have to work for a living or marry a Kennedy. And I'll bring this up because I thought about this recently, and I don't think we've talked about it because we've talked about the music a lot on here and a, a lot of these songs that are like discount versions of, you know, popular performers at the time i'm wondering if there was an issue with the rights to the music and originally the music was actual like 80s you know popular music because i'm a dawson's creek fan i grew up watching it yeah and it's on one of the streaming services i don't remember off the top of my head which it is but they don't have somehow the rights were messed up for the theme song, the so well known theme song by Paula Cole. So when they play the credit, you know, the intro to Dawson's Creek on this streaming service, it's a completely different song. And it like ruined the experience for me the yes. first time because it's so iconic. Yes. That Paula Cole song to it that I'm wondering if that could be part of, you know, once this went into, I you know, once it was on video or DVD or whatever, if the rights. 
I mean, maybe I don't know on some of the music, and that's why some of the music. I think some of the music is just cheesy, cheesy eighties music. Well, yes, I agree with that. I'm just saying that I would think at the time they would use popular stuff. I mean, maybe I don't know what they could get the rights to at the time, especially the first season when maybe the show was not as established yet. Right. So obviously we've got these two guys who I'm guessing must have access to the to work. They're probably uh, teenagers, obviously ne'er do wells. Um, Their their names are Dylan. And Jordy, Dylan is, um, we're going to call them, I think. Dylan's name is Crazy Eyes. Yes. And Jordy. And Jordy is, go ahead. Is Discount Mickey Rooney or Baby Mickey Rooney. Baby. If you've ever like... seen Mickey Rooney when he was a little kid, he looks exact, well, not exactly, but strikingly like a young Mickey Rooney. Yeah. And so, well, his name is Jordan, but of course he's called Jordy. And... He is one of the kids from the Christmas story, from a Christmas story, that uh-huh. movie. Or should I go into his, the rest of his IMDb sure, let's page? Do it let's yeah, so the, the name of the actor is Scott Schwartz. And let's he is, he talk was about it. On Christmas Story. And so I was just looking to see what else he was in because he had one of those faces that looked familiar. And I think it was Christmas Story. And I was, oh, okay. I was sort of scrolling down. And um, let's see what else we've got here. We've got uh, Cafe Flesh 2, New Wave Hookers Five, Scotty's X-rated adventure, and and our personal favorite was still insatiable. Because if you will recall, in the episode worst night of your life, the video that the girls smuggle into the Catholic school that is a porno video is insatiable. So we, in our minds, it is canon that that this still insatiable is of course a sequel to that that this uh, Scott guy was in. So that's. Apparently, he went from Twenty One Jump Street to, to more adult entertainment. Yes, slightly, slightly less family friendly entertainment. I do find. Sorry, I had to click on "Still Insatiable." It says a senator campaigning as an anti pornography crusader finds herself drawn into the world of the industry she's crusading against. By the way, starring Marilyn Chambers and Ron Jeremy, two names I actually know from the from that industry. So it must be it must be quite. I mean, the I thing. feel like. Those are people that even people who don't watch porn probably know of them. Yeah, so it's it's one of those. Anyway, I just found that kind of funny. So now I'm watching this episode with whole new eyes. Especially funny because in this scene, to get back to the to one on Jump Street, he's looking at a centerfold. Yeah, and he's talking about you know he's like isn't asking she about nice? Her, isn't she nice? And he goes, "My sister's nice. That's the kind of girl we we're trying to find, or whatever it is we're looking for." But anyway, for. they're just hanging out. Yeah. I assume they work here, but it's late at night. After the sister is nice part, he says he's trying to convince him to get up to to no good. Basically, um, Dylan is trying to convince Jordy to do so, and he says uh, sometimes you just gotta go for it, which I think is kind of the motto of these kids. Which is, if you remember from Risky Business, which we looked up, which was from nineteen eighty three, the Tom Cruise film starring Rebecca De Mornay and Tom Cruise. Uh, it's sometimes you just gotta what what has Say, it? What, what the, the f- yeah yeah um, so. I think they were sort of plagiarizing that without plagiarizing so. it. Anyway, and because you know they're they're teenagers and that's like their thing. They're like we just you just you know you just gotta go for it sometimes, man. That's and then on the outside, a creepy sort of van drives up, and some guys in masks jump out and take a start taking a saw to an ATM machine. A I, saw. Yeah, I don't know if this is the best way to rob an ATM. But... I I mean. I'm sure they're hard to get into, so it kind of makes sense. I just think it's weird because it can't be that late at night. Would someone not hear and see it? Which, I mean, they do. The kids do. 
Um, and the, the actors who were playing the boys are totally mugging for the camera during this whole thing. Like, oh my god, look at that! Um, so the Dylan character gets suddenly decides that setting off the alarm is a good idea to scare away the crooks. And they do. The boys go up and, and look in the ATM machine, which it's a little bit jarring to see all that old 1980s money is, before they redesigned it. It looks fake. It does look like Monopoly money. And long story short, the boys decide to steal it. Um, that <laughs> The Geordie character is very easily led astray oh, yeah, in this case. yeah, he's such a follower. It's crazy. Yeah. He seems like a goody two-shoes, which is ironic. That, that uh, and they're stuffing all the money in the jacket. The, the van returns, although that, they're not really, they never really follow up on that storyline because well, they just guys, run away from the van. Those guys get yeah. arrested. Um, and then the credits happen. And so we get a debrief about what's happening, that these kids are missing. Also, but unrelatedly, there was this robbery going on. Um, so, and this is, our, I guess, our second time with the new chief. He's talking about the kids missing. Do you want to discuss the fashion in this scene? In, in this particular scene, we have... Um... Pete is wearing a leather jacket, but underneath it is like a denim button-up shirt. At first, I thought he had on like two jackets. So he basically has like a white undershirt you can see. Then this button-up denim shirt that's unbuttoned some so you can see the undershirt with a leather jacket on top of it. So many layers. (laughs) Judy has on some suspenders, and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen, ever. Suspenders are great. Suspenders, we, 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 I just discussing this today, actually. We're talking about suspenders today. On, suspenders on women. I mean, it depends on the on the body type, but it can be a great look to, if you can pull it off. Our quote-unquote best man at our wedding was Christopher's best friend, Trinity. And she wore a suit. She wore right. like everyone else did. And she like had suspenders. Yeah. And she looked adorable. And anyway, so that's that thread. And then Judy... And Aoki, as we said, they have there's this rumor going around this school that this girl is a um, professional. Yes, at which uh, uh, Penhall says pros in the classroom, huh? You know, uh, in a typical Penhall way. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so they basically are just getting their cases here, and um, so we cut to the interview with the parents of the missing boys. And get a reference to how young Hanson looks again. Well, so. they're like, <sighs> they are mad because they've apparently already talked to the, like, beat cops, the police. And so they're like, oh, they send us you guys. And it's a, it's a com- comment about how they're so young. And Hanson says, we're full-fledged police officers, Mr. <laughs> Taylor, which I love that line. Yes. But basically, they come to figure out that the parents know nothing about their children. Right. Of course, this was the 80s, so... I mean, I hear about this all the time being a fan of like true crime stuff. Like the 80s were oh, yeah, they just, just let their kids run, man. The Wild West. Like you could go out and be out for hours and your parents never know where I you are. I think people hadn't figured out how to work because women had only been in the workplace for a while. Hadn't figured out how to work the like two working parents thing and make right. it work where you actually also still were parents. Um, the dad, by the way, in this scene is doing some capital A acting too. It's, that's it's, what I, it's, that's what yeah, I wrote. Yeah. He is like going for it. Anyway, but so basically they're like, well, you know, we don't know what, where they are and yada, yada. But there, there's a great cut at the end of the scene with the, the mom being like, oh, I hope they're okay. God knows how like scared they are. Or something. She's really worried about them. And then it cuts to the boys in a really swanky restaurant ordering a vodka martini shaken 
not stirred. Like he literally says shaken, not stirred. Can we talk about can I, shaken, not stirred? Please, please, yes. so, please talk about it. So I'm not a huge martini fan, but I do know that James Bond does not know how to drink a martini. So shaken, not stirred, of course, a reference to James Bond's order of how he orders his martini. And we find out later the kids use are using fake names and Bond is one of them. One yeah. of them is going by yes. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond. And the other one, Mr. Steel for Remington Steel. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. These kids are both great and terrible at the same oh time. Oh my God. These... It's not a huge long rant. I just, my main rant being if you do order a martini, you want it stirred. Nobody who knows what they're doing with drinks you would not has shake a shaken it. martini. That's, that's not a thing. It's not a margarita. Anyway, that's <laughs> all. Not... I don't want this guy has to become a rant about alcohol, but that's that's just what it is. Um, I love also how everybody on the show is easily bribed because the 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 waitress with you've pointed this out the cutest side pony yes the cutest side ponytail ever she's cute the waitress oh she was so cute and anyway. later Pinhall tells him tells her he loves her and I also which agree. makes which makes sense um, but anyway he's like well Mr Franklin here says I'm not underage because of course she's like you guys are obviously underage don't have any ID. And so hands her a hundred dollar bill and she's like, well, all right. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's so that whole crazy. thing. Like, I guess the eighties were very much a different time. Cause I mean, I remember even in the nineties, my dad would stop to get gas at the gas station and he used to use tobacco and he would like send me in with a $20 bill to pay for his gas and, and pick up his tobacco for him. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, I guess, I don't know when that law really was pushed. The, you have to be 18 and you have, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was already a law by then, but I remember something specifically changed. Cause I remember one time he sent me in and then came running after me and ran in and was like, sorry, I forgot that she can't buy it for me yeah. essentially, which was the, the weirdest thing. Yeah, things had thing. just gotten pushed. Well, and also in North Carolina, tobacco laws were Well, and of, I mean, we live yeah. in the country and yeah. they could see that I was, I mean, I'm like a six year old kid. I'm not buying a snuff can for myself. Yes. And I would also like to point out uh, another Miami Vice suit here. Mickey, little baby Mickey Rooney has his Miami Vice no, suit Mickey on. No, Mickey Rooney looks like he's going to a bar mitzvah. Oh, that's he's right. The other kids the with a tie, kid, yeah. crazy eyes. It's so funny because you can tell they like dressed up to try to look adult. And yeah. crazy eyes looks like Miami Vice. And Mickey Rooney looks like oh, that's right. I just had the, uh, he's the wrong going to online. some bar mitzvah somewhere. Yeah. So he's, he's just like, I'm I'm in a suit. Right? I look handsome, right? It's... And I love that Mickey Rooney's uh, also basically really nervous about the whole thing. And he's like, well, aren't you having fun? And a, like a girl walks by and he like checks out her butt and is like, I guess so or whatever. So it's like the one thing holding him on to all this is the, the chance of being able to, uh, I guess, lose his virginity or something. But anyway. Well, he... Crazy Eyes does later say that he's going to make Jordy right, made a man, made a man not or be whatever. done until that happens, which is creepy. But anyway. Which is very, yeah, I mean, you see where America. They also pie. look like they're about 12 years old. I mean, this show tends to have 35-year-olds as teenagers. But these ones so, actually do look young. Yeah. Um, so we, we cut to the other storyline and uh, the school, the school gym, and they're picking basketball teams, the, the, the boys' gym class, obviously. And for some reason, despite the fact that HT is as buff as it gets and also obviously not a teenager. He's still in really great shape. Go ahead, Dustin Wynn. Gets picked last and they're all like picking the nerds and little scrawny kids before they pick him. I wrote down racism, question mark. Like, is that a thing? Because he's Asian, I guess? I try really hard. I mean, I know I know stereotypes. It's not like I don't, I've never heard them. But like, I don't know that I've ever, is there a thing about like. 
Asian individuals being bad at basketball. I mean, yes, because they're I mean, I shorter, guess, I guess, mostly, I, but... I guess? I mean, I I don't know that I've ever really paid much attention. Because I remember, I don't know if you remember... basketball players being, you know, I think Vietnamese. The, the Venn but... diagram of 21 Jump Street fans and basketball fans is probably pretty low here, but there was a guy named Jeremy Lin who played for the New York Knicks who became this huge sensation because he was an Asian guy and he was really good, at, well, for one season, basically, but he became right. this sensation in basketball. So I do think it's kind of a thing that but, Asian guys But, I mean, they picked, like, basketball. the quote-unquote nerdy guys who clearly don't even like sports before. I, I just, I didn't understand what we were supposed to gather from that. Like, yeah, it was kind of funny. Also, it's like, he's clearly 45 years old. <laughs> Uh, also, the guy picking teams is, is yeah. 37. Oh, my God. They're so old looking. Yeah, they look like they, they yeah, are about to <laughs> get gray hairs. just looked older in the 80s. I feel, well, actually, there is there is a theory on this that, of course, those guys who were in high school then, if they were actually in high school in 1987, would be about 50 years old right now. So you so the, the fashions and stuff of those, you often wear the fashions that were cool when you were a kid, unless you're me, in which case you were never cool. But, like, if you were cool That's when true. you were a kid. So that, like, we associate the fashions of the time with older people, so we sort of think they're older. That's one theory. Anyway, let's let's keep going here. But uh, they play shirts and skins, too, by the way, which is a thing we totally did in school. So gross. But I can't imagine that's allowed anymore. Like, Maybe that, like, it is. I don't care that much about, like, bodies. It's just that, like, especially teenage boys, like, you yeah. would be so sweaty it's, afterwards. It's gross. And nobody... I, and also, as a scrawny kid, I never wanted to take my shirt off. But well, anyway. I'm sure probably no one wanted to take their shirt off. Yeah. Like, even the people who think they looked good probably didn't want to take their shirts off. So, needless to say, um, because apparently he can't play basketball, Aoki has time to interview the other nerds while they're sitting on the bench um, about whether this girl, whose name is Lauren Carson, is in fact a prostitute. And it turns out that one of those 35-year-olds we were just discussing has a date with her that night and says he's going to basically find out. So that's basically the gist of that scene. So we have cut to it, Aoki and Judy and her very loud shirt <laughs> talking. Yeah, we were trying to figure out what was on the shirt. It was a really cute shirt, and the colors made me think it was something like desert westernish but the more i looked at it the more it looked like it was supposed to be like people like maybe a cool cityscape thing with like cars and people i'm not sure but it was interesting it was it was really distracting me i kept trying to figure out what was on the shirt so long story short judy ends up going to the library to actually interview the girl in question which is always judy's job um, and we we need to mention because it's it's important to this episode judy kind of the whole time that they started oh, yeah, yeah. this you know, in the beginning, when they bring it up back at the chapel, Doug says, make some inappropriate comment like, pros in school, an idea whose time has come or something stupid like yeah. that, which is gross. But <laughs> Judy kind of says, it just sounds like something that guys like Pinhole would make up. So she's kind of going with, as from a female point of view, which I think generally this is true, it's probably just boys talking because that happens, you know. Right. In high school. And so she's kind of looking at it from that point of view. So she's going to go figure, find out who Lauren is. And Lauren's like in the library. And she's wearing... This was a thing. And I don't know why it was a thing. <laughs> the like two polo shirts layered thing. Yeah. It's and like... Um, I don't I know if there's shoulder pads in this scene. But there's definitely shoulder pads later on. It's like... They well, look like, look like she's ready for her corporate job. You know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But... So anyway, she gets 
she she talks about how her dad's away and she you know in Connecticut and they're trying to you know she wishes she could be with him and there's this whole like sort of wholesome story but she's kind of Judy's trying to kind of pry into whether you know what's but, going on but and, she definitely seems just very like chill and and not the kind of person that you think would be a sex worker yeah but some girls are basically talking about oh, trying to set up your next, what is it? Oh, massage parlor. Another client from the massage parlor or something like that. So obviously her her reputation has gotten around and she says, you know, basically I dated the wrong person. And so now I have a reputation that, you know, if you don't put out, essentially you're, they, they say you're a whore or whatever. Um, so she's basically trying to downplay the idea that she's a prostitute, which Judy then Reports back to Aoki in his literal bomber jacket that he's wearing. Yeah, it actually has like a wings pin on it. Uh, that's all I've got for that scene. Or basically, they're just. Well, I have a great line from yeah, Judy when she's talking to him about it. He's like, he gets a date with Lauren, so he's gonna figure out if it's true or not. And Judy says something about um. You guys have your brains stuck in your zippers. Oh yeah, I have that too. Yeah. And she's really, she seems really put out by it and it's almost like she's overreacting a she's little bit ranting. she's really mad yeah. about the she's basically like every time you know a girl you know either sleeps with a guy or doesn't sleep with a guy it just she gets a reputation as a whore and everybody thinks she's just she's you know that's basically not fair and they're being sexist and yada yada basically is the gist of it oh so we're good then we're cutting to the date at that point and the gross for the 35 yeah well the, so the 35 year old guy goes in uh, he's not really 35. I know. That's why I'm just saying. He's looks... supposed to be a teenager. This is important. He's typing in the security code and she's look, watching very carefully as he types in the security code for his house um, on their, you know, home security system. And then they head upstairs. And uh, this is, as far as I know, the first time we've had at least even implied nudity. There's obviously not going to be any actual nudity on the show, but she takes off her shirt, her top, and you, it's shot from the back. But she's topless, obviously. Yeah. So that's kind of the raciest sort of thing I think we've seen on the show so I far so. in terms of that stuff. So it's interesting what how far Fox is going to try to push some of this stuff as time moves on. But anyway. And two... We bring up everybody looking 35, but I think part of the reason... It's because she's a teenager, yeah. Well, yeah, part of the reason this is still a thing is that when you have a show that's about teenagers, but they're going to be doing things... Well, like this show, especially, everything they do is like a crime. There's drugs involved. There's sex involved. You know, you don't want actual teenagers being involved. Right. It's kind of a dicey area, I think. And this is, yes, then they start kissing, and it is like they've never even it's seen anyone kissing before. the grossest thing I've ever seen. I don't know what is happening. I don't know if the actors They're were awkward. or eating each other's faces, just and not in, be, like, a fun way. Of they were just trying to be, like... I don't know. It, looked, don't know. it looked horrifying. I, 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 I could not handle it. I feel like he was, like, gnawing it, on her chin or something. Yes, it was, it was, so it was gross, terrible. and I was like... That looks terrible. I don't understand. So, anyway. You'd have to pay me because, whew. So, yes, we cut to... um, The Ambassador Hotel. Yes, and Hanson and uh, Penhall are talking to the uh, side pony and and obviously the proprietor of this hotel. And this is where we discover Mr. Steele and Mr. Bond did stay in the presidential suite. And that's all they really get from them is basically they've been living it up and uh you know they thought oh they just thought they were you know they were very generous tippers and all of this stuff although they did spend a lot of money on <laughs> penhall to dial a sweat yes 
<laughs> where how was it he put it? You can talk to a very, very friendly, friendly, yeah, young woman or something. for for a certain amount of friend or so I've heard, <laughs> you know, or whatever. No, he said Fuller told me about it. Yeah, sure, sure, panel. They they basically discovered so, that the kids aren't missing. They so they're doing just fine. They they are learning that the kids have not been kidnapped. The kids are probably not in danger. And they're on a shopping spree, basically. We get cut to the house where, um, her house, Lauren's house, uh, the girl. And this creeper in a mustache, who is, we oh. discover very quickly, is basically her pimp. He's, is, uh... Well, no, he's not, no. Well, he's not pimping her out. So basically what's happening is she's getting security codes from these guys. And then he's getting, I'm guessing, some other people to go rob the place and sell the stereos and other equipment that they, TVs and whatnot that they steal. Um, and then she's getting a cut of that as yeah. for her services. So basically... She's got two things going, basically. She is doing the sex work, so she's getting these teenage boys to pay her. Yeah. And then she's also, while in those homes, taking advantage of this situation. Another overdub here, by the way. Crap gets changed to crud, which I find hilarious that crap had to be overdubbed. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's, again, at the time or in, or now. Anyway, and we discovered that mom is rec- a recovering drug addict. Um, and that this guy, this creepy mustache guy, was her dealer. Yeah, and that so, so the, the girl is trying to get her mom clean so they can move, so they can get out of the situation. And so um, the reason that she's doing the thing she's doing is yeah. to make money, because right. as far as I can tell, her mother doesn't have a job, and so she's trying to take care of the two of them. Right, so that's what she talks about, her night job. And obviously mom is not a fool and realizes what the night job is. But Yeah, she kind of alludes to... Lauren having promised her something and Lauren basically says like who would want this or something like that so she's kind of getting her mom off the scent also her mom's bed frame was the greatest thing I've ever seen that has nothing to do with anything and there's also like this really great lamp like fringe lamp oh yeah there's some great like it it's great the uh, production design there's a really nice afghan in the background there's a creepy painting that Which we'll get I into. I think we're yes. assuming Warren did, but yes. Yes. Well, she says that well, later. Yes. We cut back to the school, and we're in. The, I feel like this is an every '80s thing: a locker room bragging about sex. So, and it's all these and they're guys all in a in locker towels. room, and they've all obviously either already showered or are going to the shower, but they're all just standing around in towels, like. Which we don't do. In some of rooms. them are getting. Ioki's getting dressed. Yeah, at least the high school locker rooms are not like a bunch of guys standing around. I mean, towels. I know when I was, I mean, I'm a girl, so it's a, I guess it's a little bit different. I don't know. But when I was in school and getting dressed out for gym, you did it as quickly as possible. We didn't even shower. Yeah. Uh, well, we showered as quickly. We were required to shower and they would like oh, sit that's in. weird. They would like, the coach would like sit in there and make sure you went into the shower and okay came back. I'm not okay with that. That's, yeah, no, it was uh, mildly not good. That's but, not okay. Yeah, that's I'm what concerned. it was. Yeah, that's, you know, whatever. I would have been, like me, goody two-shoes me, I would have been in so much trouble because I'd have been like, the hell you say? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he's obviously talking about how great a kisser he was um, and stuff. Oh, yeah, he's like talking about oh, his date with Lauren. Sorry, and... let me back up just a half second to the the, the uh, scene where they were back at the house that she broke her nail trying to open a Coke can, I think, or something. Yep. And he's talking about how he, she like broke a nail... Like ripping his, ripping clothes, his clothes, off. clothes off or something. I mean, ridiculous nonsense. The, yeah, it's just the traditional, like, I was 
oh, I was so good and it was great and blah, blah, blah. And anyway. So anyway, uh, that's the end of that scene. So, um, well, and Ioki talks about he has a date with her later that night. Right. And so. And he's wearing cowboy boots in this scene. <laughs> yes. And they're amazing. And so Judy is still mad about this whole, like, is she a, a hooker thing? Ioki leaves the locker room with all the guys and meets up with Jude and tells her he's got a date with her. And he, you know, makes some of the comments. She's like, do you really think that what that guy was saying was the truth? He's like, I don't know. Some of it may not be true. Like, she may not have broken her nail ripping his clothes off. So he mentions yeah. this part. And, of course, she had broken her nail during the date, like, trying to open a Coke can. But... Judy hears that and it kind of makes her mad. So she goes to the bathroom and sees Lauren there. So she kind of makes some chit chat with Lauren and Lauren kind of winces or is looking at her hand. And Judy says, Oh, did you cut your finger or something? She's like, no, I broke a nail. Yeah. And that pings to Judy. Like, Hmm, the guy did talk about her breaking a nail. And she says something like last time I agreed to load the dishwasher, but now Judy is actually pretty lame. Yeah. Thinking, Okay, so maybe this is really happening. So, yes, and so we cut. This is one of those. So, just a general thing about this episode, there are some jarring tonal shifts to our other story, which is basically a farce at this point. Yeah, because um, these kids are just like ridiculous. Totally Ferris Buellering it up. Um, so we're cut to a car dealership where they're trying to buy a BMW. Our, our kids are... So ridiculous. Uh, from a very British salesman. Yeah, I guess because it's a Beamer, you have to have a British salesman. I don't know. <laughs> Who, so uh, long story short, refuses them sale because they don't... The problem is with their credit. They don't have any credit. What? Um, 12-year-olds don't have any credit to buy a Beamer? <laughs> I'm so confused. Um... And also, they didn't really have enough money for it. Like, they yeah, have a lot of money. but For I a down payment, I they guess. They just don't realize how much cars cost. things are. Yeah. yeah. Basically, I think they're just spending this money that they got out of the ATM until it's gone. Like, no, which is what a teenager would do, to be fair. And, of course, baby Mickey Rooney several times has said, can we just go home or can we just call home and tell them where we are? And this is where he says, after you become a man or whatever, he's, like, trying to get him laid, basically. Mm-hmm. Um so, but he's like, well, we don't need to deal with these salesmen and middlemen. Cut to them. Buying a motorcycle. One motorcycle. And they have like their motorcycle jackets and their helmets. But it's not a so Harley. So it's these two guys that are like, we're going to get girls by riding a motorcycle together. It's, and it's also It's also like a really sort of rinky-dink Honda, let's be honest. It's not a cool motorcycle And it's at so all. funny because Crazy Eyes gets on it and then... Mickey Rooney gets on it behind him like they're sitting on a motorcycle together and I love that in a teenage mind this makes them cool like I know when I was a teenager I'll be like look at those two guys riding a motorcycle (laughs) together what (laughs) and I love that he also when they drive away pops a wheelie having never driven a motorcycle before oh yeah that's the very first thing he does is like pop a wheelie and I'm like sure Jan yeah, okay. So we cut to uh, Aoki and his feather earring and uh, Judy. And so... They're preparing for... Right, the the, the bust, the if there is a bust, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is where Judy reveals why she's been so incensed about this, which is when she started at Vice, when she worked back at the Vice division, there was a rumor going around that she was actually a well, hooker. Well, what happened... Oh, she's... Go ahead. There's a whole story. It's yeah, not I wasn't going to go into the whole story, but okay, fine. Well, it's ahead. important to the okay. story because it's all about boys boasting and lying. So this one cop won't leave her alone 
and is like trying to hit on her and she turns him down. So the next thing she knows, there's a rumor going around that she was an actual sex worker who had been brought into Vice to then become a police officer. (laughs) And it took her forever to like for people to take her seriously and for people to not believe that anymore because he lied on her basically. And that's why she's been so sensitive to this deal with um, Lauren. And basically, but now she's like, and but if she's how was it she put it she's like if she's dirty we'll bust her like if she yeah. is doing right. illegal activities we will that's arrest their her. job yeah but i'm so it's annoying to me that that stupid guy did that to judy i know that guy needs so good the kick in the face anyway so we we cut to the date with the girl looking like she's struck come straight out of dynasty or dallas oh or something i, I love that blue outfit she has this yeah. blue like power suit top kind of thing with like a mini skirt i don't know it's adorable and i love it again this is that uncomfortable thing of ht starting to like make out with a teenager well, and i get that he's like doing this to buster what but... happens he also we should say he's basically borrowing a friend's house yeah, because yeah, yeah. obviously ioki can't pretend like his you know his yeah. and she watches him type in the security code and jude is of course in the car outside and she sees her do that. Mm -hmm. So in her mind, there's, we mentioned it before. There's also these, um, robberies, robberies going on in, within that area. So she, in her, she goes, Oh crap. So she like runs to a payphone cause she's going to try to figure out what the number is for that house. Right. And she's, uh, so she gets, Long story short, gets a hold. So she calls the house, and and Aoki rather cleverly is like, well, it could be their parents calling to say they're coming home early or something like that, his friend's parents. And he answers the phone, and Judy's like, basically, stall her. I need to, you know, figure out what's going on here. Um, Well, the girl gets into her, you know, slinky bustier outfit or whatever. And so um, HT, in in the lamest excuse ever, says, wow, I've got a headache or whatever. Also... So this room that Aoki and Lauren are in is his friend's brother's room. And it must be a little brother because this is great. There's like this um, dresser that looked like it had a face. Like oh, yeah. That was, that was weird. There was a plane poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. There was he actually there was a duck phone. That's what he answers. when. Oh, Jimmy yeah. Calls. Which I was like Juno's. Uh, uh whatever phone hamburger hamburger phone yes we go to the next scene and, and fuller and hoffs are talking about what's going on he's basically like you got to make the bust here uh and she's trying to basically talk about the backstory about this girl is is obviously being forced into the situation and she has this whole you know she's a good kid and you know yada yada because they find out her dad's not around and judy says her mother was a professional which i guess means that her mother was also a sex worker and also that the girl was probably raised in the back room of a massage parlor so, and that she yeah. just had a hard life and cuz fuller's like why is it why is she getting this special treatment basically but yeah. at the same time judy's figured out this thing about maybe we could get whoever she's working with for, on the robberies right so she basically when and we'll see what her strategy is i'll 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 let that hang for a minute cuz we'll we'll get to that real quick because hansen and penhall report back about their situation about oh no those kids aren't missing they're just having the time of their life out there 
Um, and Hanson is very oh yeah he is like pissy about it yeah he says he's gonna like wring their neck and he wants to watch what Mr. Taylor does to his son which I'm like okay Okay. (laughs) you think he's gonna like beat him to death or something what's happening oh Uh, Hanson just needs to chill yeah really and and uh I love Fuller by the way I I haven't talked about his fashion yet these sort of like checkered shirts and skinny ties and he has this very interesting fashion sense that I kind of like it's kind of nerdy it's like uh I think he's he has these like sweaters sometimes. He's kind I of I do like, like his like dad sweaters. So we then cut to back to the school and Judy's strategy was she's going to narc herself, essentially. She's going to this is kind of Judy's like move, is to let the girl know that she is a cop. And so of course the girl is mad about that. Um and she's trying to basically be like, You can give me the name of the guy who's making you do this and all of this stuff with her and Judy, by the way, is wearing these huge blue earrings that are distracting during all this. And the girl basically makes the argument that, you know, I'm not doing anything different than any other woman does. You know, everybody's got a price and we're all, you know, even if you're getting married, whatever, it's it's all just, you know, it's all the same thing, which I don't really buy that argument. I get that some, you know, yeah, sometimes dating is a transactional enterprise, but it, there is a difference, I think. Not I to think, say that she isn't being forced into this. Well, but. and I think her thing is just, it's all she really knows if that's. If that was what her mother did to make money, then that's what she... Her mother has probably told her those same things. That's just her belief system. And, I mean, I kind of get it. What else is a 15 or 16-year-old girl going to do? I mean, if she worked at the deli with these two boys, she's not going to make any money. She's not going to be able to get her mom out of... What she's working to do is get her mom out of town and out of the situation. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's hard. And, I mean, I don't... If I were 16, I'd be like, well, I get lots of money quickly this way yeah. i i get it yeah but you well, know, I'm saying, it well, is no, illegal. my <laughs> argument my argument is not the, the, is not with that with my problem is the whole idea that everything women do is basically just prostitution yeah, on different levels which i think that's true. just a coping that's like uh trying to self-justify i think right so anyway we cut back to our farce storyline <laughs> um and they've they've uh they're motorcycling up to a uh, gentleman's club. What is it? Champagne. Champagne Charlie's. Yes. And he's trying to convince... Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. To, uh, Crazy Eyes is trying to convince Mickey Rooney to go into the, the club. And, and the, <laughs> Mickey Rooney just wants to go to the arcade. Meanwhile, the uh, across the street are t- two girls who are apparently impressed with two boys on a bike. For, for some, some reason. Because <laughs> they're also teenagers. Are standing outside of... The, the arcade. arcade, which I think is part of the reason Mickey Rooney wants to go to the arcade. Yeah, true. To be fair, and uh, Crazy Eye says uh, they're jailbait. To which Mickey Rooney replies, "So are we." I love it. It's such a great line. So um, in any case, finally Mickey Rooney stands up for himself, and uh, and and yeah, he says, "Sure, I'll go into Champagne Charlie's with you." And as soon as Crazy Eye starts to walk in, he just turns around and <laughs> walks the other the way. Um, it's great. Good job, Mickey Rooney. Yeah, so it's it's kind of great. So they they basically pair off with the girls. One of the girls who's really into the arcade and really into the into our our good friend Mickey uh, decides they, they decide to go into the arcade and he uh, pays the proprietor of the arcade with uh, one of his hundred dollar no, bills. No, he asks him to make change for the arcade. Oh, with a hundred, right? As you would. And the guy like gives him this. Look. Who's chomping a cigar? It looks like a casino boss, but anyway, uh, great value, John Candy. <laughs> He exactly. like is. So anyway, we cut from that scene to the house of the parent of I guess it's Crazy Eyes' dad, right? Is that who yes. it is? Yeah. 
Who is the one who was acting and right? So he's really mad. Not so much that his kids have gone on, you know, missing, but that they're spending all this money. He's uh, like that place is expensive. Yes. Um, so basically, although he's also like, you know, oh, do I get to keep this stuff? Like he's clearly just well, he he thinks, oh, he must have stolen my credit card, and so he gets out his wallet. He's like, no, it's right here. And Hanson and and Pinhall are trying to explain to him. Actually, we think they may have gotten money from somewhere else. So they basically are telling him that they stole the money that the other people were going to steal. And we found out earlier that they arrested the people who broke into the ATM, but they only had spent, they hadn't spent anything, but it was short, which is how they figured out, oh, these kids are going on this spree with money from the ATM. Basically, they describe all the stuff they did, including buying a motorcycle, to which the mom says, did they buy helmets? Which I love. The and, mom is, and, you know, and my favorite is Pinhole, kind of like, he doesn't yeah. say anything, but he's like, he kind of makes this face like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I so don't these, know. these parents are just the worst, is basically the gist of it. Well, the one girl who I think is Jordan's mom, Mickey Rooney's mom, she actually seems concerned and... And nicer. I do not like Mr. Taylor at all. No wonder Crazy Eyes is the way he is. So we cut back to Lauren's house where she comes in and comes upon Creeper Mustache Guy coming out of Mom's bedroom. And so she goes into the bedroom and discovers that he has been helping Mom shoot up with presumably heroin. Um, we don't, I mean, we, we don't, don't know, see any but that seems to be the... She is out yeah, of it. She's completely zoned out. And so she basically is just goes crazy on that guy, basically being like, how dare you? She had almost gotten clean. She'd almost gotten better. And, you know, you and he's like, she asked me to come here. And, and you know, she's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, oh, really? You're going to, you know, basically he, he has all the power in the situation and pushes her over and basically is just a complete jerk. And so she's like, well, where's my money from last night? And he's like, well, somebody has to pay for your mom's habits, uh, bad habits. And, and so basically she's not going to get any money. And so she realizes she's never going to get out of the situation. Uh, right upon him leaving must have there was a slight break there i guess while she goes to see her mom um judy knocks on the door and comes in she's like oh great my days are getting so much better um it's like am i under arrest and judy's like well yeah we're gonna put you in for what is it uh i guess the robberies they're gonna get her get her on the robbery well like, yeah. she's saying i assume for both for solicitation mean, too but that she could tell her if if she, if she could tell her the guy's name who she works with, you know, they could help. Yeah. And she said something about her mom, and so Judy said that she could get her mom help. But she says, but I have to be honest with you, you're we're going to have to take you away from, you know, basically that she won't be able to be with her mom. And- right. Well, and I love there's a, there. she's right next to a birdcage the whole time. At least they don't, they keep the... Um, Temptation at bay of shooting through the bars of the birdcage, but there's like metaphor alert um, that she's feeling very trapped at this point. Basically, she's been. We get the. And this is kind of where the pathos sets in of. Because I know people who've done this, of people who try to to parent their parents, essentially. Yeah. And she's trying to mother her mother, and Judy's basically like, that's not your job. Like, you, you well, can't do this. Well, and she even says, know? no, she needs me. And she's like, at some point, you're going to have to make the decision. To do something for you. And it's a little bit of the after school special acting. But I, what I've, I've realized is these actors who are in these one these one bit parts have this like one scene to show off, you know. And so they really have to try to sell the like pathos of the scene. Um, so I have a little bit of sympathy for that. That it's a little over the top, but I get why it's over the top. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Judy's there being a social worker, which I feel like is a big part of their job is just basically... Right, because they work with teenagers. I yeah. Mean... So anyway, that's sort of the the resolution of that scene is is that little conversation. And we cut to Hanson and Penhall arriving at the arcade. They finally track the kids to the arcade and talking to them. To the mob boss, Hanson still being the pissy mo- as heck. The mob boss. Yeah, I, I oh, feel like mean... the casino boss. Yeah, I don't know. He looks like a, like a, like he runs a. Oh, the guy at the arcade. Yeah, yeah. the manager of the arcade is straight smoking a cigar. <laughs> That's in, why I say he's a mob boss. In like, the arcade, like the, the wise 80s guy. Are such a, we're such a different time. And and <laughs> I love the conversation between him 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 and Penhall. Basically, Penhall's like, "Hey, they're just having some fun," and Hanson's like, "I hope you never have kids." Basically. <laughs> Well, he's complaining about even being at the arcade. Hanson must have been an interesting kid because he's like, look at these kids. They probably don't even work for the money that they're spending. And Pinhall's like, do you think they should? And he's like, you don't think they should? And Pinhall's like, I mean, they have all their lives to be adults. Like, no, I don't think it's bad that kids are being kids in an arcade spending quarters of their family's money. I mean, and so. Although this is ATM money, but yes. (laughs) No, no, no. But he's talking about all of the kids there. yeah, 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 you're right. That they just shouldn't be doing that at all. And uh, so they find him, and he's... They find both of them, and Mickey Rooney is chatting up his girl, and it's the cutest thing ever. And what's funny is they find Jordan, and he's like, oh, man, I'm just starting to have fun, and now you guys show up. Because, yeah. like, basically, he, the whole time he's been like, can't we go home? Can't we do this? Like, he's not actually been enjoying He this, finally is like, having fun, yeah. Thing. I love that he also says when they're trying to take him away, he's like, I need a moment so he can talk to his girl and about what's like, going on. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm going to get taken away for a grand theft felony. And she's like, neat. Neat. Yeah, she literally says neat. And she's like, I got a, I got caught shoplifting once. <laughs> like, she's, they're she's, bonding. And she's basically like, I'll see you when you get out kind of thing. It's so, what, a, what a meet cute. She's so cute, that little she girl. She is adorable. Penhall, by the way, is wearing sunglasses this whole... Well, not... I guess he takes them off, but he's like has sunglasses on inside during the scene. It's just funny. Um, so as they take them out, it's like, uh, that's what your kid's going to be like, says Hanson, to which <laughs> to, Penhall... About the girl. Wrote, he's like, that's going to be your daughter one day. And to which Penhall... Uh, I know you wrote, wrote the line down exactly, but uh, Penhall replies... My kid would never get caught shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, she never get caught shoplifting, but anyway. So good. So, and then we cut to what is obviously our mustachioed creeper pimp, pimp's house. And Ugh, gross. He's so gross. Judy is, is coming up and basically like, can we see inside that van? Because there's like a U-Haul parked right there. And so Judy, Judy's like, you know, can I see inside the van? He's like, you're going to need a warrant. To which Aoki, who's also there, of course... Pops out the warrant. They open the van. Of course, it's all the stolen goods, which which Aoki then slams the guy onto the, the hood of the uh, cop car and uh, cuffs him and everything. And, and of course, this guy's still being a creeper. He's trying to tell Judy, like, you would, I could make, you know, you could make money if, if you wanted to basically be a working girl. And she's like, ew. And then Aoki, like, makes sure she's okay after that because, yeah. of course, with her. Yeah. History. You know, and can I just point like, out yeah, that Ioki's hair was on point in this scene? He has, he has great a great hair. head of hair. Beautiful. Just black and just slicked back and beautiful. Anyway, and I, I, I like to point out when, you know, the boys have good hair too. He still anyway, has great hair. That's true. He has aged really well. Oh, yeah. Good anyway. job, Dustin Wynn. You look great. Anyway, so I saw uh, Instagram. I had his kid doing gymnastics too. This obviously runs in the family of being fit. Anyway, yeah. um, moving on. Um, they go, so they go to visit Lauren's house to like, See what Lauren's doing, and the house is—they're gone, empty. They're totally gone, and 
Judy has this kind of pretty good line, actually, about how she was tired of being used, you know, by everybody, including by her, uh, by the cops, you know, to, to do stuff. So, you know, they, they got out of town and that was it. So that's a, it's a good little resolution to that story, I think. Um, and so, of course, we have to resolve our other story. So, um... Our the, comedic relief. Yeah. The, uh... It is... This, this episode is, like, much ado. It's like a Shakespeare play. Just crazy because whiplash. the Lauren stuff is, like, so heavy and so, like, sad. And then all the stuff with the two boys is, like, over-the-top ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, you know, weirdly works, probably because the other one is so heavy, they wanted to even it out but it's a really it's a weird episode so they're at the dad's house and uh he's he's working with some movie producers about trying to make a movie about those crazy kids um and then penhall is basically like how well do you know the criminal code and he's like what he's like i'm waiting for the movie (laughs) yeah uh and and he's basically like it's a it's a crime to try to profit off of a crime and that any of the money made from that wouldn't go to him and he's actually like i wouldn't make any money off of this so clearly the dad is just yeah he's the worst he's a chip oh you pointed out i wrote okay boomer yeah really you pointed out also all the wood paneling in this house wood paneling there was something oh the accordion door yeah there was an accordion closet door just so there was like indoor like vines and i i'm i wasn't sure if they were like live vines or fake vines but it was very like it was clear to me that he was kind of he seemed kind of rich to me already yeah which was interesting but yeah he was i don't know so i hated that dad he was the worst (laughs) uh hansen and penn all go out back to where the kids are (laughs) being interviewed by a reporter about the whole story and of course crazy eyes is trying to hit on the reporter he hits on her he's like hey see you tomorrow or something something weird and i'm like oh my gosh Corn this dogs. kid will never stop. It's, this is yeah. insane. They got six months probation is the gist of it. And they're like, well, we can survive that. We can that. behave for six and, months. And Penhall and Hanson are like, you know, it's funny. There's still some missing money from that ATM machine. You wouldn't have to know where that is. And they were like, oh, it must have been those other guys must have got come and gotten it. And they're like, okay. It's like, well, if you hear anything about it, you know, you let us know. And, and Crazy Eye goes, certainly, Officer Hanson or whatever. Certainly, Officer Hanson. And being very, you know, oh, certainly, certainly. super polite the way, you know, jerks are with authority figures when they're trying to stay out of trouble and as Hanson and, and Penhall walk away they're like do you think they believed us and he's like there's a chance and uh, Hanson asks Penhall you know do you think there's a chance they're telling the truth or do you think he's telling the truth and he says not a chance not a chance freeze frame end of episode so so that was fun so yes that's the that episode uh what was your favorite 80s-ism or part of that show I really loved Lauren's date night outfit with the 35 year old high school student Mm, that like blue and of course she had like or no or was that when she was with Aoki no no the blue outfit okay so the blue outfit that Lauren wore with Aoki that had the like blue coat and the little mini skirt and of course she had like a bustier on underneath it it was just fire it was so it was very 80s but it was very like classy and the color blue was really pretty you know, if I were a 30-year-old working woman in the 80s, I probably would wear it. I don't know. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I love that uh, Don Johnson apparently was the costume designer for the men on this episode because there's so many Almost Miami all of them, Vice, yeah, were wearing yeah. like that jacket and, yeah. So this episode was not my, I mean, I didn't hate it, no, but it was just very, episode is it felt like a fine. filler. I mean, the, the, the comedic part is cute and fun, but it's not. If I were recommending somebody to jump into 21 Jump Street, to jump, 
down on Jump Street. Um, that they should uh, pick, pick a different episode. But as you know, as a it sort of keeps the the. I think it's partly also to set up Fuller and try to get sort of a normal episode under after the you know mm-hmm. the the transition episode to have a sort of like right. here's a couple of cases and and Fuller. I like Fuller's energy, even though it's very different from. Um, and I think the idea of like a teenager doing sex work is kind of probably an important kind of theme to work right with. and the drug problem and the idea of a teen having to take care of a parent who's a drug addict yes and, so there's definitely some like some because clearly there, i mean yeah. looking at lauren i also like that they didn't just straight up bust her like i think this is a show where it is important that they don't just get the bad guy in the end all the time. And I think the thing with Lauren is that, yes, she was breaking the law, and yes, it is their job to arrest her. But I think Judy was really caring and understood. Like, she basically says that she didn't have a chance. I mean, her mom was a pro. Her mom was an addict. And so Lauren is having to basically carry this family on her shoulders and so I like that it was basically nuanced with yes she was breaking the law but she was trying to just right. survive essentially yeah I mean, like there's a lot of people are a bit more complexity than some cop shows have particularly involving um you know the reasons people get into criminal behavior is not cut and dried mm-hmm. um to finish the thought about fuller I think also I, I like his energy is so different from Jenko's, obviously, you know, yeah. having that, you know, cool hippie vibe with Jenko. And this is very matter of fact, but it's still, it's, it's more typical cop show, but it's also still fun. Like he still plays off of the other characters. Well, I feel like, so it's, you know, you, you can't recreate what Frederick Forrest was doing, obviously. So it's, it's I'm glad they kind of went a totally different direction. Um, with it so anyway that's that was my main thought for the episode anything else before we wrap up or is that did you mention what your favorite 80s thing was the don johnson suits but that was my probably my favorite thing i just seeing an arcade i don't know if that was like an observation or your favorite probably i don't i don't really have there wasn't a lot of great 80s ish stuff in this one that I can think of. Aside from like the house decor. Yeah. Oh, well, the wood paneling definitely brought me <laughs> back for sure. Right. Okay. Great. Well, <laughs> so that was Bad Influence. And uh, just a quick preview. Next episode is going to be one of Amanda's favorites. So look forward to talking about that Oh my that gosh, one. you guys. I'm really excited about the next episode. I cannot so, even tell definitely you. Definitely tune in next time. And, and definitely follow us on... Um, We've got an Instagram account. We, of course, are on all of your favorite um, podcasting sites. Well, not all of. Well, we're on. We are on iTunes and we are on Spotify, I believe. Yes. We're really good at this game. Uh, In any case, you can find us if you look for us going to the Chapel Podcast. So uh, we are going to the Chapel Podcast on Instagram and we are going to the Chapel Podcast at gmail.com for our email if you want to email us and say hi and tell us what's up and just keep following us and we are having fun we hope you are too okie dokie <laughs> See you it's time for us time. to go and you're gonna learn something when we meet you on the pod